Once upon a time, there was a young woman named Elise who wanted to see the entire world and all the stories within it. One day, she met a white rabbit who asked her to come along for a journey of discovery. Welcome to Elise in Wonderland. My name is Elise, and I am the host of Elise in Wonderland. This is a show for those curious about the world, travel, cultures, and new perspectives. Fan culture or fandom is a term which describes communities of people who enjoy aspects of popular culture, like books, movies, TV shows. Think fans of the TV show Glee or Gleeks, men generally who love My Little Pony, bronies. Trekkies who love Star Trek, or people who know the and love the Beatles, Beatlemaniacs, or Apple Scruffs. Some are well-known, and some are more obscure. Generally, these fan groups obsess over their passions and usually give back by means of creating their own art, comic books, or fan fiction. There is so much written about the subculture that is fandom out there. I've even seen whole anthropological studies addressing this as a culture, including social hierarchies, flowcharts of subsections of this culture, outlining groups from geekiest to least, and gift economies of fan culture. Perks of fandom, social connection, a way to express creativity, and a place of belonging. Today we speak to someone who embodies fandom in all of its forms, Mr. David Thorne, special effects makeup artist, celebrity handler at the last Comic-Con in Niagara, and he has his own YouTube series, Dark Corner Production, um, by the handle, The Hammont Nerd. Welcome, Dave, to the studio. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I am thrilled to have you here. Um, Dave, we go back a few years, and I remember getting super into the uh, makeup special effects show. Um, what's what's the name of it? I can't remember it uh, now. I think it was Face Off. Yeah, I remember this conversation we had, too. It was Face Off, and um, I remember just being so blown away about the how deep the... Um, the knowledge went of people that create makeup for special effects for TV shows and movies and Face Off is an amazing show. And then I heard that you also shared this passion. So we started talking and the more I talked to you, the more I realized, wow, this guy knows a lot about a lot of things. So today we're going to talk to Dave about fan culture. We're going to talk about his latest uh, stint at the Niagara Comic Con, behind the scenes, as well as some of your passion projects that you're working on. Uh, so tell me how your week was. Oh, my week's been fantastic. Uh, full of new adventures. Uh, I got to throw my first axe uh, just last night. It was actually a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, starting a new job, which has been fantastic. And uh, really getting to relax with my dog. I mean, I really miss that. It's It's, it's been great. That's awesome. Um, myself has been really crazy. Actually, for those listening for the last few weeks, you'll notice that my co-host Jin is not here, but he's finally back from his trip from Korea and uh, he is doing some exams. So he said, can you let me off the hook one more time? But he's actually sad he's missing today. He, he knows nothing about this world and was really curious. So we'll have to have you back at some point. We'll have to do a round two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
I am working on uh, something called Explore. For those of you listening, actually, not a lot of people know about Explore, but it's a federally funded program. You, If you meet the qualifications, you can learn English or French for free for an entire month um, somewhere in Canada, and the Explore program will support you. At Mohawk College, we're doing the same for our English program. So just a little plug for Explore, <laughs> but that's happening in July. Um, so jumping into this first topic, intro to fan culture. Can you tell us a little bit? I know I did. Uh, I probably didn't do it justice because there's so much to talk about. But can you tell me from your perspective, what does fan culture mean to you? Actually, I think you did pretty good. You, did, you gave <laughs> me you. the cliff notes of it. So that's awesome. Um, but fan culture is really anything. Um, if, if there's a fan for it, then it can be considered fan culture. Now, everyone takes away the perspective of it being it, it's it's geeky or nerdy. And, you know, I try to avoid those tropes. It's it's mm-hmm. it's something that you love. Like, for instance, like. I love comic books. Um, someone who knows everything about stats of a hockey player or a hockey team, that's, that's their fandom. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not just one thing. So I feel like there's fandoms for everything. And it's, it, it's basically what we all love and we can socialize about. So people that go to, for instance, a sports bar, they'll sit there and talk about hockey nonstop. Or like people that go to comic book stores, they'll sit there and mm-hmm. talk about comic books or how stories should transpire or fan theories. You know, it's just, it's, it's a wonderful way to have a fun social game. Mm -hmm. over something that you're collectively obsessed about exactly that's interesting i think uh if there could be a fan club for food oh i'm sure there is honestly the foodies unite (laughs) that's it you know what maybe we should start i think so hashtag foodies unite start it now i love it so tell me a little bit about why fandom is important in your life well, it's it's actually it's one of those beautiful things. Um, like for instance, like I love going to comic cons and fan expo. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's that's my jam, um, and I meet so many new people there. And that's not that's not saying celebrities, but like just people in line or like yeah. people you meet at booths, like like vendors even like you're wearing like a cool like for instance at fan expo like i was wearing a rick and morty shirt and the guy came up to me he's just like oh my god i love your shirt that's so unique and then we got talking about rick and morty and like fan theories and then like we found out we had so much more and then like half hour later we're best friends on facebook and it's just it's one of those things that it's important to me because it's it's a mutual social cue Mm-hmm. And it's something that you can share with someone that maybe you wouldn't talk to on a normal day. So mm. it's a, let's say, social icebreaker. And I really like that aspect of it. Nice. So give us, I, we're going to go into a song in a few minutes, but give us kind of what are all the things that if you could summarize like, what are the themes of fandom that you are into? <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually a very wide variety. And uh-huh. uh, I don't limit myself to just one fandom because, I mean, the spice of life is variety, right? So um, I do love, I love anything horror. I love sci-fi. I, I love comic books, like board games. I'm obsessed with board games, honestly. Like, I host game nights and it's it's something that has to happen and be a part of my life. Um, but like, it's, it's everything. Like I'm even considered a gamer. Like I don't run out and buy the newest games, but like, I love indie games from like indie developers and Mm. it's just so much fun. But like, like I said, like I like multiple fandoms. It's not just one, but at that, at that point too, like it opens up a lot more for me to talk about with people. So for instance, I may not play Starcraft, Mm -hmm. but 
someone may know a lot about Spider-Man or The Flash. And hey, look, I have that in common with you too. Let's start a conversation. That's awesome. I love that. I think I've been saying that's awesome to everything. That's all right. That's cool. <laughs> One of the things that I really do appreciate about um, fandom, and if we're going to lump it all under one one category, is that there is so much positivity around talking about things like this. Mm -hmm. It's never... Well, maybe... I don't know if you've experienced there's kind of cliques within... Oh, 100%. Yeah. Really? Like, that's... Uh, it, <laughs> so it's, like, not cool to talk about this certain thing anymore, or... That, or, you know, you see the Star Wars kids not wanting to play with the Star Trek kids. Yeah, I saw that a couple times. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, there's the, the... You know, fandom's a wonderful thing, but it, it can also be a, a very fickle thing. I can see people, you know, brawling, seeing the Star Trek kids fight the Star Wars kids. You know, it's kind of funny but at the same time it's not funny at the same time mm -hmm. so i saw you snickering a little bit when i was talking about bronies i know that they're not the most popular group <laughs> they're not the most popular group but you know hey pinkie pie has a special place in my heart what can i say <laughs> okay so on to my really most important question if you could be a superhero who would you be and why i'm gonna start with existing superheroes that you love Ooh, that's a good one um i personally like and now i know i have the tattoo for it but i do love green lantern but not the movie green lantern of course let me <laughs> let me reiterate on that one um the idea of using an emotion as a superpower i think is fantastic it's it humanizes a otherwise unbelievable character mm. um but at the same time another one of my favorites i'd have to go with is the flash like Wait, I, what's green lantern's emotion so, you're speaking to me like a blank canvas here. <laughs> all right uh so green lantern um all the lanterns are segregated into their own emotional spectrum and each i didn't know there was more than one lantern oh, this yeah. is amazing absolutely i'll have to show you the map of my tattoo because that explains it perfectly sure. um but uh, so Green Lantern. I love that you have a lantern map, by the way. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so Green yeah. Lantern is the representation of willpower, and their color is green. Um, so mm -hmm. yellow is fear, uh, orange is greed, red is rage, uh, purple is compassion, pink is love, and blue is hope. Mm. So each one is chosen because they have that specific trait that's stronger than another. So the rings select the hero and then they become the next lantern, which is pretty cool. So to basically, like I said, humanize a character that way mm -hmm. is, is pretty cool. And it kind of, I don't know, as a kid, it kind of gave me hope, you know, give, hold on to willpower and you'll become a green lantern one day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I may have an actual green lantern at home and he hides it non shamefully. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry, you had a second best. Uh, yeah, I'd second have to choice. go with the Flash. Honestly, and not just because the CW, but the Flash storylines are fantastic. Like, I think as an, like a secret identity as Barry Allen, like that is mm -hmm. one of the most humanized characters I've seen. Mm -hmm. Sure, he has tragedy, but it also shows him competing with real life and trying to be a normal person, as well as the fastest man alive. So I think that. <laughs> As kind she of comes a with, with some emotional turmoil. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's definitely an emotional turmoil for him, but uh, it's very interesting to see how he manages it. And like every every new issue, you're finding out more and more superpowers from him, and it's it's very interesting. And it, I find it never gets boring, and it's it's really cool because they also have like little Easter eggs throughout it, and I love it. So it seems like you're a fan of the not necessarily like smashing through things, but the. <laughs> the human side of what it means to have powers exactly and that's and that's some actually it's funny even as a kid i think that's what i've always liked about it most like the more humanized the character is the more that i found that i was like attracted mm -hmm. to that comic book it was relatable i guess 
Do you feel like certain things attract certain types of people? Absolutely. Like, like I, did you, should you see someone and be like, oh yeah, that's a this yeah, man? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, right now with the whole big thing on Captain Marvel, like they've they've really you say that like I know what's that's going fine. On. No, no, I'm getting into that. No worries. Okay. Um, so the whole Captain Marvel thing right now is they've like she's a very strong female lead mm. and she's honestly like I picked up her first issue and it's fantastic and I'm really hoping this is what they adapt to the screen but like I mean at the same time I can see a group that's just like I want something fresh I want something new but you know mm. still that core superhero and that's what Captain Marvel is like she's got the funny side she does work with the Avengers the Guardians mm. of the Galaxy and mm -hmm. it's just it's it's really cool like you can see when people design a certain superhero that it's it's geared towards a certain fandom and would you say that, you know, themes in popular culture also bring about new themes in fandom? Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it influences a lot. Like, like I, I've seen comic books change so much since, like, the early 90s to now. And, like, the themes have either gotten darker or lighter. Or, like, right. Certain, there's, a whole, certain, there's whole theories around what society is going through and how that reflects in our media. Right? Exactly. And, the, and it's funny how it's portrayed in the media. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. they, they can't go full on into it, but it's portrayed in certain ways. Where it's just like, if you look at it and break it down, it's like, wow. These are events that are happening mm. on the TV right now or in how it's happening outside. And it's, it's right. really interesting to see how they portray it. I've read theories around, you know, when terrorist attacks were starting to become a thing, we're starting mm. to become part of our normal vernacular that superheroes that were all about justice and taking back what's yours, you know, that became more popular. I always find that really interesting to see how people find comfort in these subverted ways absolutely and, fandom. and that's what it is at the end of the day it's it's comfort i mean it's it mm. it's fiction but it's it's comforting fiction and it mirrors our reality absolutely uh okay so i got a question from um one of our listeners wendy so she said having a kid leads to the ultimate question mom if you could have a superpower what would it be what's your superpower oh what would be my superpower Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> I know you're probably going through your Rolodex. Yeah, I, I, like now I have to. I have to ask: Is this like an actual like superpower that I just talked about, or one that I currently like have as a person? Ooh. So, yeah. What do you feel comfortable answering? Uh, apparently, multitasking is a fantastic superpower to have right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I. I, I want to say like my 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 durability or my stamina. Like I mm. like I, I put a lot on my plate and I I bite off more than I can chew and I I handle it. Like I just I muscle through it. Stamina guy. Stam I I don't like talking about myself in that sense, but like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's when I at the end of the day when there's a job to get done, I don't care what I have to do. I'm gonna get that job done. That's awesome. Um, there's also um, I don't know if you've heard this question, but people ask it around to see what type of person you are. Would you rather be invisible? Or would you rather fly? I have to say I'd rather fly. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I And the funny thing is, too, when people ask about masks, I don't want to wear a mask. Mm. And that's, it's, I am who I am, and I'm proud of it, so. I think I'd want to be invisible, but just because I want to creep on people. <laughs> see fair. what people are doing. Hey, with great power comes great responsibility. You can't wait. You can't <laughs> abuse that power. It's true. Can I not fly and be invisible? Um, <laughs> a little bit of column A, a little yeah, bit of column B. that would be nice. So we're going to get into our first song to break up uh, the first part of our interview. Tell us why. So I have to also say, the songs that you chose were incredible. It's like, it takes <laughs> me right back to 
um, the 90s. Hey, it's Thursday. Throwback 2000s. Thursday. Throwback Thursday. <laughs> Absolutely. But this is a throwback song that kind of means something to you. Uh, so tell us why you chose Three Doors Down kryptonite which is the best <laughs> uh i chose this because this reminds me of the first time i was ever sitting there reading comic books and this song came on like i mm. watch it because it was on much music when they actually showed like awesome music videos and i remember seeing this music video while i'm reading comic books and it was just this song fit what i was reading perfectly and even to this day like i still get chills when i hear the song but it's just it pumps me up it gets me ready for my day that's awesome. Okay, we're going to play uh, Kryptonite, and we will be back in just a moment on Alice in Wonderland. Benvenuti to Alice in Wonderland. Swagate Alice Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland, we are welcome. On 1015. 101.5, the hog. Xin chào. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome back to Elise in Wonderland on 101.5 The Hawk. It is 521, and we were talking to Dave Thorne about um, everything to do with fan culture and uh, his latest experiences at the Comic-Con behind the scenes. So we're going to talk all about Dave now, and this <laughs> segment is Dave down the rabbit hole, basically, how he became interested in fan culture and all of the amazing projects and things that you're working on now. So, Dave, let's start from the beginning. Tell us how fan culture and fandom first piqued your interest. Well, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, um, I remember, like, <laughs> it, that was <laughs> yes. really bad, I'm sorry, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I, it was what piqued my interest was just what fan culture and what like comics to me like encompassed. Like, mm-hmm. I loved a, like even to this day, I love a brilliant story. Mm-hmm. I honestly love a brilliant, well told story. C- comics just depict that even more because you get a writer's standpoint as well as an artist's standpoint. So mm-hmm. it's like a melding of two of my favorite mediums in one. And then seeing further on down the future, seeing that brought to life on the big screen or on the small screen, it was just like, wow, this is real now. This is cool. Even though, you know, it wasn't really real. It was Hollywood. But still, it still counted to me. It was live action. Exactly. It was more fleshed out that way. So what makes a good comic? Ooh, um, now this <laughs> I'm is just hitting you with a as, deep one. Yeah, deep that's cuts. that's a good one. I could actually make a lot of people angry with this, but um, well, in your opinion, in my in my opinion, like I just said, like it's it's a it's a perfect melding between a beautifully written story and stunning visuals. You can't have one without the other. Like yeah. you could have an amazing story and lackluster visuals, and it won't grab the eye. Mm-hmm. You could have an okay story with amazing visuals and people are actually feeling unsatisfied exactly you're missing something but actually in some aspects of that the art will still grab people in. you're like Mm -hmm. okay it was good but what else do i want to see so that way you can actually you learn Mm. about new artists this way Mm. so maybe the story wasn't right for this artist but Mm. at the same time what makes a good comic book for me is perfect story Mm. and stunning visuals and what was the first do you remember the first comic book that you picked up where you're like, wow, this really made an imprint on me? I actually do because I found it a month ago. And I actually, like, I was so excited. I almost was in tears. Uh, so it was Green Lantern 77. Uh, and it was the first introduction. And like, I remember the cover so vividly. And it was Green Lantern fighting Wonder Woman. And I'm like, wait, that, that shouldn't happen. That's really cool. So I, I picked <laughs> it up. And it was just because it was it wasn't Hal Jordan Green Lantern. It was Kyle Rayner Green Lantern, who still my favorite Green Lantern today. Um, 
but it, I remember flipping through it and it wasn't until about a year later that I actually started reading it, but the visuals just drew me to it. It was so vibrant and like mm. cool looking. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I have this action figure and holy, holy moly, I have this action figure as well. Like it was, it was one of those surreal moments that I'm like, wow, I have these action figures and I've never really read this. So this is kind of a shame, but cool at the same time. So it's like when you're interested in a place in the world or a historical figure and you want to delve into researching their origin story and why they're significant and (laughs) exactly and it's funny and on a dark note like that i did that recently with the salem witch trials like i found Mm -hmm. that that was very interesting to me and Mm -hmm. i didn't know enough about it and i watched the show salem and i'm like okay i need to and i I delve into it and i it it consumed me it was so good Hmm. i think that also speaks to a lot of uh, hardcore fans of certain um stories where they will totally trace back all the way to the beginning and will pick out inconsistencies in the plot lines between a comic and a movie and uh there are some people that you know they're hardcore and see that that's another thing too is like people are very hardcore about that but i never pick apart a bad comic book movie when someone's Mm. like oh it was terrible and and i didn't mind it i always wasn't accurate i always tell them it's like the multiverse theory like you know it's part of that universe but it's a different world so it doesn't have to be exact and people like oh that's a good way to look at it so Mm -hmm. it's the same characters same story but things are different so and then they go back and watch it's like okay wasn't that bad give some creative freedom exactly so you also learned how to draw at the same time. I did. Uh, I've been drawing since I was old enough to walk. Um, since I could walk, I'd hold a pencil and or a crayon, and it's just been literally been mm. drawing and sketching up a storm since. And now I'm I'm selling my art. I'm doing more paintings and getting ready, hopefully to have an art show in October. But yeah, it's 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 art has been a big part of my life, and mm-hmm. same with writing. But mm-hmm. like, I couldn't have got my inspiration for my writing unless it was for my art. So mm-hmm. it was. Uh, it so was, this like meshes well with it, the comic exactly. Book. Like I like I said, now I'm not by any means saying my art is stunning and my writing is incredible. No, I'm but just saying that it's they, something you want to replicate. Exactly. Yeah. So this leads me to another artistic venture of yours, effects makeup, like I was talking about earlier around the face-off franchise. <laughs> How did you get inspired to start effects makeup? So it, it happened on a whim, actually. So when I was in high school, we had a communications technology class where we got to do film. Mm-hmm. And from there, I started doing special effects makeup. Like, I do my own like makeup. Like mm-hmm. I, We did like a cop drama, and I was doing like cuts and bruises on people. Mm-hmm. And then we did a full-length like zombie movie, because again, zombies were big. Zombies are still big. But we started doing... <laughs> was a period of time though yeah in popular culture where they dominated exactly so and that's and that's one thing that we capitalized on especially in high school like we were 16 year old kids and we we're doing zombie movies and and it got something about it like I, I really enjoyed it so I'm just like you know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep at it and I started doing costumes for Halloween mm-hmm. and then a friend of mine was doing one of those zombie walks again mm-hmm. coming back to zombies full circle here mm-hmm. um, and they asked me to do their zombie makeup and then the next year more people asked me and then by then I was basically doing a zombie walk for people and getting paid to do it it was it was a lot of fun oh that's awesome so what uh, what inspired you to get into this after <laughs> after the movie after you were working on film sets 
where you you're continuing to do this yeah I, I still work loosely with um, with a company called Broken Window Productions mm. I haven't done anything in a while with them but it's it's also because my schedule is so busy right now yeah. but honestly if something came my way from them I would never say no because I always have a blast with the guys there um, but what got me into this was I think it's my morbid fascination with horror movies because I mean I remember for the first time seeing the movie Alien as a four year old yes. and, and, and everyone says it's a sci-fi movie but it's a sci-fi horror movie when you break it down and there's aliens bursting out of people exactly and actually the funny fact about that scene no one knew what was going to happen when that alien and that's and that the shock you see on their face that's real shock um but it was that in jaws like it was something about those movies like Mm. it was visually terrifying and stunning to me that it literally scared me into being obsessed with makeup (laughs) and then like i I could interesting maybe you're so scared you wanted to i wanted to turning the lights on and looking behind the curtain made your fear subside that's it exactly and then after that i couldn't get enough like i went from that and i started watching friday the 13th i watched nightmare on elm street honestly i have a soft spot in my heart for freddy krueger i'm sorry visually he is stunning um Mm. and that's another thing too like especially with nowadays like like practical effects are so lost like mm. it's it's it, it, something can be done so quickly with cgi and it's it, it doesn't look right whereas you see something done in practical effects it's beautiful it's an art form mm-hmm. and that's where i have like my biggest appreciation because that's the stuff i grew up with mm. and i i have so much appreciation for movies that still do that nowadays as opposed to movies that just splurge Slap and do cgi, CGI yeah. yeah yeah i think i was watching planet of the apes and it's so disturbing actually <laughs> how andy circus is very how much close lo- yeah i mean granted he had the help from Gollum from lord of the rings but at uh-huh. the same time like dude like i know you really studied that but tone it down a bit yeah yeah i get where you're coming from for sure um so is there a person in the industry that you look up to that is like the Top notch for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And that would be Jay Dethridge and Tom Savini. Hmm. Uh, Jay Dethridge did all the special effects for the Saw movies, as mm-hmm. well as Silent Hill and Resident Evil. Nice. Um, seeing, because back way back when, when the first um, Niagara Falls Comic Con was coming out, his stuff was on display mm-hmm. there. Like they had Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. They had like the dogs that were like split open and had all the tentacles in them coming out. It was so cool. Like, you got to see those in real life. Oh yeah, like it was it was stunning. And I'm just like, oh my God, this was in one of my favorite movies. <laughs> um, and then Tom Savini is like a horror makeup legend. Like this yeah. guy has been doing this for years and it's it, seeing his work from dusk till dawn, like, and then meeting him in person and like, him starring in his own stuff too like it's just it's so surreal seeing someone who loves what he does and then gets to act in it too it's like Mm -hmm. it's so cool that's amazing um and what is the coolest thing you've done so So, (laughs) we've i've done a lot of like again going back to fandom like we've some of the videos that i've done with uh broken window productions uh we did versus videos so like we did a video where it was like bane from batman versus sub-zero from mortal kombat um i made the full prosthetics for the for the uh, bane costume um and then we did one where it was like cyclops from x-men versus um kano from mortal kombat as well Mm -hmm. like that one was my favorite because i got to do like metal underneath skin so it was like a double layered prosthetic where it looked like Mm -hmm. someone had metal underneath their skin and that was i had a blast doing that it's it's funny because i was thinking about eventually doing a cable costume from deadpool or Mm x-men and i can easily transfer that over from there too so it was it was it was a lot of fun and i really really want to do that again soon do you have something on your list that you want to make next? 
I have a, I have a couple things. Um, I would love to make a White Walker um, costume from Game of Thrones. Like, I would love mm-hmm. to go as the Night King for either a Comic Con or Halloween. Um, <laughs> I, it's also been it's on my bucket list. I would love to own a Chewbacca costume one year. Uh, <laughs> no shame in that. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure if I'll make it, but if I buy it, I'll still just be happy. Um, but uh, yeah, like I I just I, I do prosthetics still for fun, but I would still love to get back into it and do it professionally again it was fun great so this all eventually led to your first ever convention at fan expo Mm -hmm. um this was before it was at the convention center in toronto and what is that like for those who have never been to a fan x or comic-con what is it like what can you expect uh the first and the only thing I can say, especially at first, it is very overwhelming because um, mm. there's so much cool stuff there that you want to see and you want to do. Even when it was just the one building, mm-hmm. um, it's just it's so hard to do in one day. Like it. Uh, granted, we last, last past year we did it all in one day, and it's because the squad we had when we went and did it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it was it was like it was stunning. It was overwhelming. Like it was. Like I said earlier, it's one of those things where you socially feel accepted and mm-hmm. you socially want to talk to everyone because, you know, someone's wearing a cool costume or someone's wearing a cool shirt or someone's buying something that you want. And you want to talk them down for buying it so you can buy it. But like it's it's one of those cool things. And and as I as I make a joke about it all the time, someone asked me about this recently. How would I describe a fan expo? And I'm like, well, if you've seen Hellboy 2 when they go to the troll market. Of course you I, of course you compare it to I do. I, I totally did. I'm like, it was literally the troll market where he's just <laughs> like, you won't believe, no one's staring. This is awesome. Like it, it's it's so socially acceptable. Like that that excitement is is there. Like you can yeah. literally feel the excitement when you go in. And people feed off of each other. Oh, 100%. Like, especially when you see, like, for instance, if there's a Spider-Man walking down and someone's dressed as Venom and they see each other from across the room, they will literally break into character and start, like, fake fighting fighting each other, like, right there. And it is really cool. Like, I saw... It, like, brings out the little, like, the inner kid in a way, it seems like, where you just want to goof around. I think the best one I saw last year was there was a little... Uh, like she had to be like at least four and she was dressed as Rey from Star Wars mm-hmm. and she saw Darth Vader across the room and she ran with her lightsaber ready and like just charged the, the guy would like the guy was Darth Vader was seven foot tall and this little girl had no fear I'm like that little girl is insane this is awesome <laughs> like it was it was so cool to see I, unfortunately my cell phone was dead I wish I got a video of that but it was it was so cool Aww. So we'll get more into um, the, your fan expo uh, experience that you just had. And I want to move on to your YouTube series, Dark <laughs> Corner Creations. Um, if you check out the Hammond Nerd on Facebook, you can find all of this. And is if you're searching on YouTube, it's Dark Corner yep. Creations or Productions? Uh, or? I think it's Dark Corner Productions. Productions. Yeah. So... How, how, why did you start a YouTube series? And by the way, it's very awesome. It's oh. very fun. Um, and you seem, you know, your passion definitely translates through the series. You get into character quite a bit. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think that was one thing because I have a love for theater and I just, mm. it was funny because it all started because I went to go see Suicide Squad and mm-hmm. again, not everyone's favorite movie. I didn't mind it. I'll say it right now. Um, <laughs> but everyone wanted to know my thoughts on it because they knew I loved the comic. They didn't know what my thoughts would be. So mm-hmm. I did a, I did a video. I was going to do a Facebook status, but I decided, no, let's, let's do a video. This, this is more fun. So I dressed up as the Joker and I did a whole review on it. 
it and everyone thought it was hilarious. So I posted it to Facebook originally and Mm -hmm. then the next week I went to the movies and I saw Ghostbusters and I bought an inflatable Stay Puft Marshmallow Man costume for it and it was... That one, I think, was my most viewed video when I posted on Facebook. And from there, it was just like, all right, maybe I found something here. So I start, I took those videos, I put them on uh, YouTube, and then I started going from there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start filming videos just just because. Why not? And then from just going from movie reviews, I went into comic book reviews. And from comic book reviews, I went into short skits. And I'm just like... And then I took a break because I just got really tired and bogged down. And I'm just like... I. My parents raised me as in, you know, if you're doing something that you love and you stop loving it or you're you're just, you know, it feels like work, then maybe you need to take a break. So I took a break from it. And mm. then I did a video a while back about, unfortunately, it was an unfortunate incident. It was it was about the whole Logan Paul incident. So oh, um, from there, I just it, it was it was I wasn't sure if I wanted to come back. And then I started doing a couple more lighthearted videos and people were like, oh, my God, we really missed your content. So I'm like, OK, well, I'll come back and do a season two then. So uh, right now I, I'm on a little bit of a three month break because again life happens and work gets busy. So and this um, is a passion project exactly. And I actually just recently came up with three new video ideas. So I will be filming this week and I will be releasing probably within the next week or two. That's great for those of uh, you looking to check out Dave's um, series. It's Dark Corner Productions again on YouTube and the Hamilton Road. Um, and it looks like you've fostered quite a community, people from all walks of life. And the next thing that you wanted to mention was you were going to do food challenges, for secret <laughs> menu items. It's, uh, Is that it's, somewhere on the list? Yes, absolutely. So it's a work. It, that's actually the real passion project. So uh, in, in, in my heart, I am a foodie. Like I am totally a foodie. High five five to that. Uh, I'm not even ashamed to say it. So one thing that's always captivated me is fast food restaurants and restaurants downtown. Like they do food challenges, and even Mohawk here at the the cellar, they have. You mean like, can you eat this fifty pound whatever? The fifty pound cheeseburger that we have basically at the cellar. Yeah. Yeah, that. Um, yeah, people get into that. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, you should have seen the amount of beat the meat challenges we had there this year. Beat it was, the meat. Yeah, it's, it's insane. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's always like really interested in me. So I've been yeah. talking with a few friends of mine, mm-hmm. some people that I've actually worked with at Dark Corner, or not Dark Corner Productions, sorry, uh, Broken Window Productions. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're, we're brainstorming ideas to do this and, uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. So I think we're going to be called the Food Vikings. And uh, we're going to try and crush some of these challenges. So we're, we're, we're all really, really excited to try this out. Oh, God. That's not something I would watch. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> but for those who want to. Unfortunately, I've had to put myself on a workout diet regimen so that my off days, I don't start accumulating the pounds from it. So, Okay. I'll end with one more question before we go into the next song. Um, what aspects of fan culture do you relate to the most and what makes you the happiest? What makes me the happiest is essentially the sense of belonging. Like mm-hmm. I'm like I said earlier like it's it's a social cue. Like people people love to talk about what they love and mm-hmm. I do too. Like especially when I find someone who loves something as much as I do and you know we have fan theories. It's it's that bonding and that socializing that I absolutely love. Like I I don't say I, I'm very socially awkward, but like I, I like to think myself as a social butterfly, but at the same time, like I love striking up a conversation with someone about something that I love. It's mm. it's it's amazing to see someone so passionate about something that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. So it's common ground. 
Okay, perfect answer. Um, we're going to go into this, another one from my childhood, All Star by Smash Mouth. Uh, why did you choose this song? Honestly, I just love this song. It's just, uh, it reminds me of... Shrek. Shrek, Shrek, <laughs> absolutely. Um, it also reminds me of Mystery Men. Uh, oh. That was another comic book movie that they used this song for, and it was... It was one of those songs that even when I was having a bad day, this song would come on and I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, I like this song. Everything's good again. <laughs> All right. We're going to play this song and uh, keep in mind, this is the beginning is a little montage that you'll see on, on uh, the music video around people talking about the superpowers, which fits perfectly with um, what we're talking about today. And we'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to Elise in Wonderland on 101.5 The Hawk. It is 5.44 and we are chatting with David Thorne about... Wait, I just called you David for the first time. Uh, yeah, that's... Dave, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, Either or. <laughs> about fan culture. And so let's get into the, the real dirt here. We're going to talk about uh, Comic-Con in June. Uh, and I realized I was calling it Fanex before, sorry. That's okay. Comic-Con. Which one is like the premiere, the first that's one? That's Fanex. Fan Expo is like the big, big okay. One. That's like San got Diego Comic Con for Canada. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So you are in Comic Con in June in Niagara. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you were doing there and what your role was as convention liaison. So it was. It's, it's literally a dream job for me to work as a convention liaison because again, going to Comic Con, I see like all the handlers at the table, getting to hang out with the celebrities, and it was. I was like, yeah, I want to do that one day. So being offered the chance to do that was, it was a no-brainer. I'm like, mm -hmm. absolutely, this is happening. So my role as a convention liaison was to basically make sure the celebrity that I was responsible for was well taken care of at the table. So I had, I literally put together a little Batman-style utility belt that was literally strapped to my legs and my belt that had like, you did it. It literally had like hairspray, band-aids, like Advil, Tylenol, Aleve. Like I, I had wet wipes. Wait, you had Advil, Tylenol, and Oh yeah, I was just a, in case there was an allergy. I was a or... walking. Oh, I also had Claritin too. I forgot that. <laughs> um, I was literally a walking pharmacy. Um, and then I had like hand sanitizer, hand cream, uh, safety pins, post-it notes, like extra markers, extra pens. Like I literally had everything he may need. Like the only time he had to leave was to go eat and go to the bathroom. I wasn't going to carry around a stadium buddy for him. So, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so. Are we allowed to disclose who this person was? Abs I can I can definitely disclose that. So my first celebrity ever that I got to work with at a convention was Ken Page. Uh, he's very well known voice actor mm -hmm. um, as well as Broadway performer, but he's yeah. most known for his biggest role as Oogie Boogie from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Who's Oogie Boogie? So for those who are uninitiated. <laughs> Fair enough. So he is the main villain from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. He's essentially the boogeyman, and it's a giant like neon green burlap sack filled with bugs right he's filled with bugs yep so what's it like being um oogie boogie <laughs> yeah he was uh honestly it's funny to see yeah. him go from a villain like that to the best gentleman you could ever yeah. work for was amazing and and it was funny the first time i met him it was it was great so i walked up to him like hello mr page my name's david hello mr oogie <laughs> hello mr oogie that's not very professional on my part but uh i was like hello mr page my name's david i'll be your convention liaison for the weekend and his first response was oh hello david and i'm just like oh my god you sound just like him 
Oh, really? <laughs> I, I, I literally, I couldn't, I couldn't keep it together. Like, I, my, the main thing it's is, I literally had to sit there and like my my first role is be professional and and I was very professional. I can tell you probably took it very seriously too. Yeah, I I did actually. Yes. I really did. But on the inside, I was like four years old again, fangirling so oh. hard. I'm not even ashamed to say it. every time he said something, and I'm just like, oh, I can't not hear Oogie Boogie. You're a burlap sack filled My goodness, yeah. Um. So did he have a lot of fans? He did actually. Um. In the recent surge, like of those uh, Funko Pop vinyls. Like, a lot of people wanted to come in and get a Funko Pop signed by him. What's a Funko Pop? Um, they're little figurines. Um, they're just oh. little vinyl figurines of, like, f- like Disney characters. You, oh. get, you can get a Funko Pop for any character in any fandom. It's really cool. So they had Oogie Boogie and... Uh, yeah. He was also he's also in Cats as well, and he was getting CDs signed by people as well, and that's what he got really excited about. As soon as he saw Cats, he like lit up, and it was it was it was fantastic. And and hmm. honestly, the man has a beautiful singing voice, and just for me to sit there and get to hang out with him all day and hear him sing, it was just like I I'm what more do I need in life? This is fantastic. So did anything crazy happen where you needed to pull out the hand sanitizer and the post-it notes? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was, you know, after a couple guests, he, you know, he'd, he'd give the, the gesture, have his hand on the table. I'm like, I got you. No worries. Oh get God, ready with the hand amazing. sanitizer. So this is clearly not his first rodeo. Uh, he, actually, it's funny because he, he doesn't do a lot of Comic-Cons anymore. Um, he mm. does them every now and then. But mm. he he, uh, he told me he had a great time at Niagara Falls. Like, I did a great job. I was like, oh, my Yay. God, fanboying right now. And, uh, you know, him and I keep in touch, actually. I have him on Facebook, and we've become very good friends ever since. So... So what do you love most about Comic-Con? Uh, the people, again. Mm-hmm. Like, it's even even working even working it. It's, like, the people behind the scenes, the people that are coming up to the table, mm-hmm. the people that you're working with, too. It's, like, it's your team. It, it's, it's literally come full circle now. Like, from going to a convention to working mm-hmm. at a convention. It's now that the whole picture is complete for me, there's literally no other experience I can compare this to. It's, it's just fantastic. Highlights from the last Niagara Comic-Con? Besides being... Oogie boogies. Uh, <laughs> uh, getting Best to man. getting to meet Dean Cain was pretty awesome too. Wow. Now Dean Cain is my first Superman. Like I remember watching the Adventures of Lois and yeah. Clark, and he came up to me and was just like, "Hey man, I just I just want to say I really like your tattoos." I'm like, I turned around and it took You're all like, my. I really en- love Superman. It took all my energy. I'm like, "Here, <laughs> you're Superman." Oh my god, <laughs> like I I I totally fanboyed so hard. I'm like, "Well, thank you so much, Mr. Kane. I, I just want to say like you're you're my first Superman, so it's an honor to meet you." You were my first. You, uh, yeah, that was it exactly. That's a lot to me. You were my first Superman, and he's just like he's like, oh man, I'm so flattered. He was, he's just so humble to meet new people, and he was just mm. brilliant and beautiful to be around. Like, and mm. I, I'll be honest with you, the man's literally in his just pushing fifty now, and he looks fantastic. Like, he mm. looks like he's still in his mid thirties. Like, the man still Damn, got Dean. it. Yeah, right. Let me look you up on. Google. I'm not even gonna lie. I totally man crushed over him <laughs> over this weekend. Oh, hello. Even even my boss, she was just like, oh, my God, I hugged Dean Kane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to hug Dean Kane now. So uh, you're hired on for possibly for future Comic-Cons and yes. Fright Fest. What's next for you? Uh, so hopefully Hamilton Comic-Con. Um, I made a couple friends with a couple agents at the table, and they've been asking me if I would be coming back to Hamilton. And I, if the offer is there, I would absolutely love to come back to Hamilton. But I did recently... Um, 
potentially sign on for Fear Fest in Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a horror themed comic or convention, I guess you could say. Um, I want to go. And there's so many celebrities coming. Uh, CJ Graham is coming. He's basically, he played uh, Jason Voorhees in a couple of the Friday the 13th films. So the guy's very intimidating looking. Uh, You also have Doug Bradley. One of my favorite horror movies of all time is Hellraiser. And Mm -hmm. he plays Pinhead from it. So... Uh, yeah, it's just I'm as a horror fan, I'm extremely excited not only to be there but to actually work and work with these people. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so for those interested in meeting Dave somewhere, you can find him where all the scary stuff is. Exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna switch gears really quickly now to end the show. Tell us what are the next trends in fan culture that you see? What is passe, and what's the new thing? You know what's really funny? It, it's and, and I'm really happy to see this, especially being a huge fanatic for them. Board games and tabletop gaming is yeah, coming back. And that true. makes me so happy. Like I and when I go into the comic book store or when I go into chapters mm. even, they have board games now. And it's not even just lame like mm-hmm. old school board games, but it's like new updated ones mm-hmm. and it's like exploding kittens and what do you meme? And it's just like it's all these games you see at like you can just socialize with friends or like for Christmas I just got the Stranger Things board game from my roommate and what? it was incredible like it, all the cards are little ego waffles and it's it's awesome so cute. and it's it's one of those things that I'm seeing board games for stuff that I like like there's there's board games for DC Comics like there's board games for Marvel there's mm-hmm. board games for Star Wars and Game of Thrones like it's mm-hmm. all popular fan culture is now being turned into games and it's awesome Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's like you get to live your culture now i feel like board games are now um becoming very broad in their appeal to right there's party games there's the long five-hour strategy game exactly um i have my eye on uh, game of thrones risk right now and i I i've had some pretty epic risk nights where they've lasted from like 7 p.m to the next morning at like 10 a.m so i feel like when i get game of thrones risk that's probably going to happen again You've also talked a little bit about the mashups happening now as becoming more common. Yes. DC Comics meet Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, it was it was really interesting to see that. So they're trying to bring in newer readers. So like, for instance, like again with DC Comics and Hanna-Barbera, they had Green Lantern and the Planet of the Apes. They had Green Lantern meets Space Ghost. They had the Justice League versus like the Looney Tunes. Like, mm. And I know it sounds silly on paper, but like, it was actually not that bad. It was kind of interesting. One of my favorite crossovers, and I and I was five years old again watching or just reading this story was the Justice League meets the Power Rangers. I just I, it was all forms of nostalgia in one, and I was just blown away by it. If one plot line and character a group wasn't enough, now we mash them. Now up. we have multiple. <laughs> Okay, so thank you, Dave. Um, there's so much more that I think we could cover, but I think we did a good job of bouncing around between all of the topics. Yeah, we covered quite a bit. This we is awesome. We covered a lot of ground. I want to thank you for coming into the studio, shedding some light for me, because I am a total newbie when it comes to understanding. I mean, I have my music stuff, my food stuff, my uh, video game stuff that I love, but there's so much. It goes so deep. And there's so many ways that people can connect over this. And I really like that you highlighted that uh, aspect of fan culture. 
Uh, where can people find you, follow you, see what you're doing next? Uh, they can uh, they can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's dropkick uh, dropkick underscore handsome. Um, or they can <laughs> oh well then they can uh, they can also find me on YouTube at uh, Dark Corner Productions. Uh, that's where I'm going to have a lot of the new content and everything, um, as well as Facebook. I'm under Dark Corner Creations, where I'm actually going to start posting some of my artwork. I've uh, finally gotten out of my funk, and I'm starting ready getting ready to post stuff again. Great. Uh, well, I hope everyone takes Dave up on that. And it's been a pleasure having you in to talk more about what you're passionate about and share that with the world. Um, up next at 6 p.m. is Under the Covers with John Conway, an awesome show, geeking out about cover songs um, and going deep uh, with that passion. So stay tuned for John. And we're going to uh, play everyone out with Blink-182. What's my age again? <laughs> Thank you so I much. I cannot for... believe I'm saying this out loud and I love it. Throwback Thursday for the win. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming in, everyone. We will see everyone back again in Wonderland next Thursday at five. Thanks and have a great week. <laughs>